0: I tell you. So let's see if, uh, if if the second attempt of this ZoomTown episode is going to go go good. Tim gave me the thumbs up, and that means that we are recording um, and that the computer is not doing any forced updates. Um, you know, the, the, there's no consent asked of us when some of these updates just intrude on our lives. It's, it's like Mac or PC, they come in, they're like, ah, yeah, time to update stuff. And this is actually good, Tim, because uh, I want to open up today um with talking about a serial killer and 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 satan um and you were mentioning that in your mind you just see the church lady every time i mention satan but it's halloween and so i should get full range to like discuss my interest in um sort of satanism not as a practitioner um but i research the occult um i'm interested in what other people believe in and the crazy and weird shit that they do so well okay let's just say I don't
1: know what you're talking about when you say Satan. Like, how would you kind of explain that to me? What you're—if
0: you can't just Ooh. say Satan—how
1: would you still refer to it or define it?
0: That's a good question. Um, so, like, I think of groups like um, the the uh, the Church of the Final Judgment. Um, they were sort of associated with the Son of Sam murders back in the day, and they looked at Satan and Lucifer, and then Jehovah. It's like this weird trifecta in their kind of um, evil cosmology. Um, and, and so you actually have a sense of like Satanism being like the, the, the biker guys, a more rough brand of worshiping the Dark Lord. Um, and, and Anton LaVey and then Michael Aquino are, are guys associated with bringing, uh, worshiping Satan into mainstream. So um, Temple of Set and then the Church of Satan respectively. I can't remember which one. I get some of my Satanists mixed up sometimes, Tim, you know, in my research. And so uh, Lucifer is for more sophisticated highbrow people. So when you're when you're talking about, um, you know, the occultists that, that, you know, don't want to be associated with maybe um, leather daddies like I look like sometimes in my outfits. I'm not a, a, a Satanist type person, um, but it's just it's very interesting to me because, uh, again, I think it's worth looking into the stuff that people believe, uh, especially if they have lots of money and power, it might be helpful. Um, and so Luciferianism is sort of a highbrow, more sophisticated Form of they look at the angel of light and they're like, No, he's misunderstood. Sympathy for the devil, let's rock out to Rolling Stones. Maybe we, you know, kill a child or two to the, you know, no, that's back in the day. It's just a metaphor. Alistair Crowley was joking, he didn't really kill, you know, children, which is mostly true, I think. Um, but uh, so to, um, today, can jo- I ask you something else? Yes, please, please. So you said Satan,
1: Lucifer, and uh, Yahweh. So Satan and Lucifer are two different
0: people, oh, Jehovah. Um, but I'm glad you did mention Yahweh because I'm starting to to realize that apparently the Gnostics, which are different groups of like weird Christians that um that thought like the Bible was wrong and that the the God of like the Old Testament was crazy demiurge, um, a false God, I didn't realize that Gnostics were sort of in some people's minds associated with evil. Um, but th- there is another entity that's not oftentimes mentioned or talked about. And it's been coming up a lot, of course, I, I researched some of the stuff, and so some of the blogs that I, I uh, go to, um, you can see some of them in the links on my, my blog, The Reptile Dysfunction. But Baphomet is apparently this, like, goat-headed, um, boobied kind of uh, entity that maybe the Templars were into back in the day, and so the Night Templars. Is the
1: one that Oklahoma had to put up a statue of with little children? Do you know that yeah,
0: case? Yeah, so Christopher Knowles is one of my favorite uh, uh, occult researchers. Uh, his blog, The Secret Sun, is looking into this this old occult belief in Mithraeus or Mithras. Um, and so Baphomet is kind of associated with the figure Mithraeus or Mithras. I can't remember how you pronounce it. But uh, when you start getting into comparative mythologies, you realize that a lot of different uh, religions and, and different groups over time um, have looked at similar sort of entities that might have some kind of uh, meta existence, um, you know, and people can believe what they want. Uh, I think it's very interesting. I just got the most recent Sufyan Stevens album. And so if you want like an idea of what Baphomet looks like, that's kind of that. That's sort of a Medusa head booby thing. Um, Medusa head instead of a goat head. But I, I think that uh, Eliphius Levy is one of these uh, older occultists that first drew this image of, of Baphomet. Um, I've also looked into some writers, contemporary writers that apparently got all weird with the Ouija board and contacted Baphomet, who's who's really into contracts, by the way, um, contractual stuff. So it's been interesting and fascinating. But um, in terms of like the Satan sort of satanic panic stuff that was going on. When you think about going back to the the end of the 60s, conclusion of, you know, Manson destroying the summer of love and, you know, the dark 70s sort of taking over, I didn't realize that that reached into sort of northern Idaho and into Missoula until I got this book. I think I mentioned it last week, um, To Kill and Kill Again by John Costin about a serial killer trying to try and keep the the Trump bookmark in there. Um it's about a, a Missoula serial killer, Wayne Nance, who was uh, doing his nasty, uh, evil shit from 74 to like 86. Uh, he worked at Conlon's Furniture. Um, first victim was a five-year-old who he raped and killed. Second victim was a a wife of a pastor, I believe. And so um, I'm going to read a part of the introduction because it's part of the, the research I was doing over the weekend after we saw Tim Dillon in Spokane. You and I had seen another Tim. We did, yeah. We went and saw. I was very impressed. I, I, I'm I, quite impressed with uh,
1: some of the cities I go to, especially the more I'm in Missoula, uh, how cities of comparable size are a bit larger or, or similar yeah. size, like Rapid City or Spokane. Um, a lot of them are becoming pretty cool, hip little places, and they're also dealing with some of the issues we're dealing with with the homeless. Um, but
0: it was really interesting to hear the the opener from Miami, uh, and then Tim Dillon talk about Spokane and kind of rag on all the white guys and the trees and um, and, oh, and, and, yeah. and getting to Coeur d'Alene oh, as quick yeah. as possible. Like I, to, Tim Dillon very, very uh, at the, near the end was like, I'm going to go now and spend 15 minutes and get out of this place as quickly as possible to where there's money in Coeur d'Alene. And then someone, some, some asshole shouted out, go to Missoula. Oh, my gosh, please. We Don't found we found him. Us. We we found him and beat him after the show.
1: We didn't, but he should have been because no <laughs> one cares. What did Tim Dillon say? He was like, "Oh, what are there more trees over there? Oh, more trees? Oh, sure, I'll go over to Missoula where there's more trees.
0: Oh, there's something. There's a there's there's car chases apparently, which we'll be getting into. But um, before we get into that, let me read um a little portion um about this 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 killer in Missoula. And one of the things that jumped out to me initially was how little the police was actually sharing with the public. Um, so there was rumors because people thought there might be connections, but the police weren't overtly making connections to some of these these murders. Um, so I'm just going to read this from page seven of this book. Uh, While the sheriff's department didn't explicitly link the two killings, the talk of the town did. The townspeople were already swept up in rumors about devil worship in neighboring Idaho, where only months before in November, a young newlywed couple from Rathdrum in northeast Idaho mysteriously disappeared. Word had spread that the couple had been abducted and sacrificed by a satanic cult, that Rathdrum was the center of a devil-worshipping cult. In the minds of Missoulians then and now, Rathdrum... Though 200 miles away, it's considered to be just over the hill. And it was no big stretch of the open-minded imaginations of many Missoulians to believe the tales that linked Satanism with news reports of cattle mutilations reported in the Plain States to the east, beginning in the fall of 1973 and in eastern Montana in 1974. The animals were found with their lips, udders, and genitals removed, cut off with what was alleged to have been surgical precision. So, um... Why, this is this is where this comes in. I read this a couple of weeks ago, just was glancing through the introduction. And then as as my wife and I um, were driving to Coeur d'Alene, so after the show, um, after you guys got up and left way earlier than, than I could even bring myself into consciousness, um, we decided, like, well, what's going on? I'm like, oh, let's go check out Coeur d'Alene. And as we were driving to Coeur d'Alene, one of the exits says, Rathdrum and Spirit Lake. And I was like, hey, we're going to do some Satan research did you go to Spirit Lake we did okay I like that place we've stayed there before we there's did. a
1: cute I, little bar right in the little downtown area that really tiny little like three yeah. blocks long but uh yeah they had some uh rooms above it so we decided to partake in dinner and, and drinks and then go stay above this cool yeah Spirit Lake's a cool little place there's a cool little community it's right it's it's almost if you were to redraw the state lines, I think you would actually take places like Kalispell and put them on the Idaho side because right, the right. geography, the lakes, everything is much more Makes kind of sense. homogenous than, yeah. you know, we're, we're trying to draw our fucking house district where... Ekalaka and Hardin are going to be together. So Democrats can get two more points of votes.
0: Well, and, and these arbitrary lines are fascinating. And I, I'm increasingly just interested in the whole region. And so did you was, do anything in Spirit Lake? I didn't mean to cut you off. We, well, we we stopped in um, this really old lady in a, in a store with like used trains. Um, I went and checked it out because I like um, secondhand stores and antique stores, but didn't find anything um, in there. There was a Princess Diana book I did not get because I knew that that Princess Diana thing was coming your poor children they're Uh, just going to have
1: garages full of things to uh, throw away it's weird
0: it'll be worth worth something but um we stopped there and then we drove um kind of around the other side of the lake and we stopped at one point because i'm pretty sure it was a controlled burn but we were very close to a very big flame on the sort of across this this field and so we spent the day It was beautiful the weather was absolutely amazing um and then we drove back into spokane and stayed at the davenport and hung out. It was, it was a really nice weekend. It was a chance to, to get away and uh, got away from the kids. And one of the things we'll mention, I don't, I don't think we, I went through sort of the list. I try and do the outline and explain what we're going to talk about. But um, we, we got out of town as I was uploading the video version of the interview I did with Brandon Bryant. And so that was the big conclusion for me of the week was um, sort of landing that interview Doing it on Monday, uh, doing a pretty big turnaround. And if you've seen the video, um, anyone listening, you know some production value to that video. Um, not all by my hand. I've got some helpers, and so that the helpers are, are helping. And I can't wait for more, um, more, uh, another product of the the helpers in in this town. Um, not not the helpers I wrote a poem about and read last week, but um, real helpers helping to get real narratives out that that um, are really not necessarily being told. And in terms of narrative control and all that, um, what we're gonna discuss today, as we've you know probably blown through the first half an hour, um, we're gonna talk about some car chases, we're gonna talk about some missing people, uh, how law enforcement's dealing with all of this, um, some good points made by a commenter, one of our biggest fans, TC, um, so very much thank TC for making comments, um, although I can be a dick sometimes in how I respond to stuff, but we will get into some of that. And then A. G. Knutson or Knutson, Knutson. That's a Knutson, Knutson. Whatever. We're going to talk about him. You've got more insight oh, on the that. The
1: liberals are crazy about this one.
0: He called a hospital. It's an abuse of power. Well, it, it, and good on <laughs> the Republicans for saying, "All right, yeah, let's investigate. We like transparency. Let's do this thing." So, but we're not going to get to that first. Let's let's open up with car chases. Answer me this: How many in the last week? Do you know how many oh, car I know chases? At least
1: two. Uh, that I just read on the Missoulian today. Have you checked the Missoulian? They completely redid their front page today. No, but I, I, I was And like look. three out of the four top articles were crime articles. So the guy who like led the, the black guy who was 20 and then the 17 year old was in the car with him died. Right, um, right. There's, she had a weird name. It was a lady in her 30s who went down towards the bitter. She actually got pulled over on Mullen. Right, right. And then pulled over and talked to the officer and then cried and drove away. And she just kept
0: driving. <laughs> Yeah, and, and that was a non—that was the non-fatal one. Um, but there was a third. Okay, go ahead. I know. Well, I mean, it was hard for me to kind of keep up because uh, the the one with the young twenty-year-old um, that was a pretty pretty awful situation in which a seventeen-year-old is dead. Um, so, pretty high-speed, violent downtown car chase. Alcohol I, okay. definitely who, involved. Who? What do you think when you hear of like, I guess, I don't
1: know. I've lived in Montana a long time, so teenager killed in car crash is pretty common occurrence in Montana. I hate to say it. If we're going to do these per capita ratings, let's look at suicide or people dying in vehicles. Uh, Actually, I've been saying this for the whole last month. As of September, we were already 30 deaths above our entire yearly count from last year, which is already up from the previous years. Uh, I guess maybe while we're sitting here, I could look and see, but it's well, just another th- example where we're like probably 30, 40 road deaths above our average. Right. And we still got like two and a half months to go.
0: Road deaths, highway deaths, you know, a lot of this chaos is alcohol related. And so, you know, I used to be a part of the mayor's downtown advisory commission, right? This was an invitation. Mayor Engen? Mayor Engen. Oh, this was an okay. invitation only group um, that got together. So people like Dan Cederberg, uh, Linda McCarthy, Susan Hay Patrick, um, you know, usually uh, the crime prevention officer back then it was Rob Shebin. Um and so I was a part of this group and I um we were part of this this effort to try and get retailers that were selling alcohol to voluntarily remove certain problematic uh products. So like Steel Reserve, the the gut rot that you can get for like a buck 29, um probably more expensive now, but uh this kind of stuff was was fueling this chronic quote unquote chronic homeless uh problems and and the retailers at that time this was probably like 2010, 11, 12. Um, you know, they were not interested in in cutting back the sales uh, of alcohol. So someone like Tim France, who owned Wardens at the time, he's since sold... Tim France was notorious for um, being very critical of the behavior and then giving zero shits about cutting back on his alcohol sales. And so he's like, no, there's people getting off work at eight in the morning that want to buy this gut rod. I'm like, really, Tim? Really? No, you're selling it to the fucking homeless people and the poor people that are living in shit shithole like well, rooms in downtown. Well, And, and so uh, really quickly, um, before I give you a chance to respond, um what, what was clearly articulated in that group from people like Dan Sederberg is like the downtown business association, which is now this like downtown business partnership, which is an umbrella organization that covers two or three different uh, downtown groups. You know, they were struggling financially until they started um, doing alcohol related events. So river city roots festival, all the brew fest, you know, all of that alcohol related stuff gave them lots of money. Lots of money is made on alcohol. Lots of money, and so the question for me continues to be: um, even if I am maybe uh, venting on law enforcement in this in these three chases, the third one being the one that ended by my kid's school, Target Rage Elementary School, and the guy died in a fucking pond, drowned. Right? That was, okay. Yeah, I was. I, that was the third. Of one. Of course, I'd love
1: to read some of these reports, but you know, I don't have well. I choose not to subscribe to 25 different news sites uh, just to be able to read basic information about my community. So I didn't read that
0: one. Well, DCI DCI is investigating um, the one where there's the pond death. And I'll, I'll read uh, a little excerpt from the link to the from my blog post. So uh, Missoula Police Department spokesman Lydia Arnold says the incident began on 11th Street West after the driver failed to stop for a routine traffic stop. Law enforcement lost sight of the vehicle for a short period of time, before the vehicle was then spotted by officers, according to Arnold. The driver eventually stopped in the Target Range neighborhood before he eventually drove off once again, Arnold says. MPD then decided to terminate the pursuit. However, officers later saw a male get out of the vehicle after it crashed into a pond at a quarry behind the elementary school. Arnold says officers gave verbal commands to the driver as he started swimming in the water away from police. The male went underwater, and a Missoula County search-and-rescue dive team eventually located his body. Um. So TC, our longtime commenter and big fan of your role in this podcast, Tim, um, made good points in saying that, you know, cutting off the pursuit is, is law enforcement showing awareness um, that there's too much risk. And um, I think that's a really good point. And, you know, again, we 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 see law enforcement and first responders at the very end of something we oftentimes don't know. Um, the history of the person. We don't know what enabled certain situations. Um, apparently, you know, bars are never held accountable for hardly anything, it seems, when when it's uh, the bar scene that that seems to be driving some of this, like, violence and, and abuse of, you know... Yeah, the thing I was
1: going to say when you were talking about the availability of alcohol was uh, you... When we went traveling as couples this weekend, you actually went and left for a while to park the car and go get something from the hotel. So, me and Steven and your wife went across the street from the comedy club, and there's a little like open air bar and burrito place there. Yeah, yeah. And what struck me was there's like the main part for people going in and getting food and having drinks, like we were, but then there was also like a big cabinet of like just cheap ass big bottles of booze. I was like, okay, I. I don't see anyone in here currently having, you know, everyone has like a bottle of beer, maybe a drink or something. Uh, no one had a liter of fucking t- bottom shelf vodka, but it was still there to buy for anyone, presumably homeless person to come in, spend, you know, seven bucks on a whatever a vodka. Uh, so I saw the same thing you're complaining about. And, yeah, you yeah. know, I don't know if it, what, what? how much, maybe that's a huge part of their business. I don't know.
0: It's it's interesting. I um as I continue to, to walk around downtown on Fridays and Saturdays and not drinking, you know, I was back at the hotel room, getting getting some weed and then smoking some weed. It's legal in that, that state of Washington Um, and technically, yes, in our state. And so um, as I was enjoying my cannabis, which does not um, lead me to do crazy um, out of control things like alcohol tends to do to a lot of people. you know, I, I continue to sort of think of, of the risk and I did not understand that people hallucinated when they were detoxing sometimes from alcohol until I worked at the shelter and saw, you know, this long term alcohol abuse and what, what people would do sometimes. And um, just a couple days ago, some of the, the people that I see that do street performances and stuff, um, there's a fire twirler guy that I've kind of talked to a bit. Um, him and another dude were clearly it was in the daytime it was pretty early in the daytime and they were clearly sick. You know, um, they were, they were sick because they needed alcohol in a way that, you know, I could, I could tell, right. And so I gave the guy some money. I don't usually do this knowing that it's going to go to, you know, booze, but, um, in that situation, I'm just like, you know, go get, go get a pint and, you know, and and try and make it stretch. Do you ever
1: watch intervention? I think if you just watch a season of intervention, you'd probably never want to do drugs again.
0: I have seen a few, a few of those episodes, you know, just.
1: There's some really rough... A lot of people don't even make it. There's people, like you're talking about, alcoholics who they actually get to the intervention and then they die during the detox. And then the end of the episode, which is normally like them coming out all looking healthy and like having an event with their families like so-and-so died from detox. <laughs>
0: when I had to think of my own use um I literally had this rationalization where I'm like oh you know these guys I'm not that bad I don't like have shakes in the morning right even though I'm still putting down half a boda box a, a, a night essentially and um you know not doing you know the healthy thing in terms of the weight that I had um, because of the calories that I was taking in and the annoyed looks at my wife when I would wake up and be like oh did I fall asleep on the toilet again and she'd be like yeah yeah. Are you going to like have a heart attack next time and be fucking dead on the toilet like Elvis? And I'm just like, yeah, I'm an artist. That'll make my poetry worth more, right? If I'm dead. Yeah. This is the kind of fucked up stuff that goes through uh, someone that is self-medicating too much with a substance like like alcohol. Um, Don't do that. Let
1: me circle back, though, because <laughs> I want to talk about the issue with the police. Um, yes. Because
0: something I was thinking
1: about earlier... Uh, and it, it, it's sort of a pervasive general thing about how people interpret what we are fed by the media. And especially when it comes to police and law enforcement. Um, you know, I've worked this before because I've worked in that field. And so people who even just watch TV shows and think, oh, that's how, you know, being a policeman works. Oh, that's how being a lawyer or a prosecutor works. And usually it's it's maybe more for drama, but is isn't actually realistic. The reason I say that is, there's so many of these things where a person gets in what you know for me I've, I've dealt with law enforcement plenty of times both working and just being pulled over and stopped and asked stuff. Um, where i think if you haven't been through a situation like that or been through a positive one then you automatically jump to what the worst thing in your head is and so if you're like some just White Karen in a Subaru with like borderline depression or something in Missoula, and you start to see flashing lights in your window, and you're already like not having a good day or something. Like, what in this woman's mind was her? Oh, okay, he's pulled me over. I think I'll just go. I think I'm just gonna run away from the police. Right, right. (laughs) Like nothing in your rational mind or or apparent rational mind would ever tell you that's gonna make the situation get better. Uh, but there's so many of these situations where it seems like a regular citizen who probably could just go through the interaction and move on is that this is an ultimate do or die moment i'm thinking of the brandon galbraith where the kid was pulled over right that's another yeah yeah, yeah. presumably he might have got a dui or something i've known uh, lots of gay guys who have duis when there's alcohol that ingrained in the gay culture it's not an uncommon thing um and i've seen them come the other i've seen ones who can't i've seen ones with six seven eight duis who are still in the fucking state prison as i'm talking right now yep um well, but to a regular person who generally does not have a background like that they really shouldn't have something to fear to where they escalate it to the point of losing their life right taking their own life you know putting other people everyone else on the road in danger and so that's where i sort of wonder if this really hyper sensitive like just angry picture we're getting of the police generally right now, even if it's from other states, or from other encounters that are thousands of miles away. You know, to us, it's in our eyeballs, it's very real. And so when you actually mm-hmm. see a cop or or you see flashing lights in, in your, uh, Rearview window. I wonder, like, what is the average person's impression now? And has that changed over the past couple of years based on everything that's been happening?
0: So I, I played you a video before we started recording and we're not going to play any of it. We're not going to talk about any specifics um, in terms of like who's involved, who sent it. Um, but in this in this video that I played, you can't really see anything, but you can hear a woman speaking with um, a Missoula uh, police officer. I, I believe there's two officers um and the situation is there was some complaint. Uh, i believe the people are probably sleeping in a vehicle of some kind police respond right and um the woman's tone is not uh, aggressive at all it's it's not rude at all um and the the police officer at some at some point says shut the fuck up so and so right and and so i've been thinking a lot um because there's a lot of information coming at me about um about what familiarity and criminal history might mean with interactions with law enforcement. And so, and but I, I want to couch this with a positive story and with my own behavior, which was reprehensible. So um, one example, familiarity with, with the clientele I used to work with at the shelter can be a good thing. And one example I would often give this anecdotal story is that um, close to the Pavreola Center, there was a, uh, a police response to a person that was um, threatening to harm himself. And the police um, knew this this client of, of mine well enough. And I was standing right there. So I'm watching this whole thing go down. You know, I am farther back than the officer. The officer um, is well-trained. He's keeping his tone down. Um, the young man is, is um, threatening to harm himself. And the officer, with his presence of mind, as I am In his field of vision, I I just say, you know, I can be of assistance if need be. This officer knew the clients would escalate seeing those sirens, just like you're, you're, you're talking about. He had so many bad reactions to, to law enforcement. Um, oftentimes he was violent and he needed to be restrained. Um, and he, I mean, he had the potential to be a dangerous person, but this officer knew this person well enough to know that that was a trigger and um, knew me in my role and was um, gave me enough sort of trust to allow me to transport this client to the ER instead of the, the EMTs. And the officer followed behind me um, and we were able to transport him safely without anything escalating, right? So the familiarity that law enforcement had with this particular person, that led to a better outcome. Um, when I was sitting... In the, the coroner's inquiry last week, though, and Stephen Gill is shot and killed by law enforcement in a an in a RV, you know, he's on his knees prone, according to the witness, uh, Aurora Quinn, who was in the in the RV also. Um, and, he, you know, Stephen Gill was shot four times, you know, in the back of the neck. Two officers standing on either side of him, allegedly, right? And so... You know, he had past interaction with law enforcement, and that was part of the question that Matt Jennings, the county attorney, was asking Steve Stephen Gill's mother, right? Um, so I, I, I'm also—these um, are just—this isn't— dep- Well,
1: I just want to—let's talk about that a little bit, because there's another thing that I've been thinking about, because um, there's a magic word that we can never say, uh, which starts with the letter N and is very racial— Um, And I was thinking, why are there so many videos of people like saying this word? We're all pretty clear at this point that unless you're black or a rapper or something, you don't use this as an insult. You don't, you know, but we have been programmed every day of our lives, pretty much by the news, by society. to be like, this is the worst thing you can ever say to a black person. All right. And i sort of wonder if we don't program people into being more racist and the reason i say that is if you and i got into an altercation and i you know i felt hurt and i just wanted to say fuck you and there's some like magic word that's a member of your group that can be like this is the worst thing i could ever say to you and just that like thinking mind turns off and just the emotional hurt mind comes on that's gonna be the first word out of my mouth and so it's it's strange to me because we as human beings we don't really seem to look at things holistically and like think hey people might be angry people might be having a bad day people might this I'm not excusing anyone's language but I'm saying that maybe if we as a society didn't like grasp our pearls every time over a, a word which is just like air being passed through someone's you know vocal cords. Uh, then we wouldn't be programming people in their brains to say this because we're not telling them it's the worst thing ever. There's going to be a point in your life where you want to hurt someone else and do the worst thing ever to them. And we've been programmed by every single part of society. This is what you do. Then you're not making that thing go away. You're just making its yeah. use only be applicable in this certain very angry situation. And
0: you know, humans humans are humans. And as we are being told um, that you know, an Afghan uh, refugee oh, who, yes. who who's a rapist uh, allegedly, um, after allegedly raping a woman in a hotel room, right? We're told that that's a, like an individual situation, obviously, and don't you know reflect poorly. Um, we are humans. We are flawed people. We can be cruel, you know, mean, vindictive, petty. Um, when there's institutional power behind vindictiveness and pettiness, when there's institutional power in a gun and a culture that might, um, you know, abuse that power, I start wondering. So, so an example. I mean, this- oh, go ahead. Well, well, an example. So the, there's a missing man, Taylor Simonson. Okay. Um. You know, this was I think last week. I know uh, you're talking about. He was reported missing. Um. And I was just curious, you know, does this guy have any history with law enforcement? Because he goes missing uh, South Side Road area, same area where Johnny Lee Perry, um, a black man was shot and killed by sheriff deputies on August 29th. We still August 20 or this is October 26th. Sheriff deputies involved in that have not been named. Um, and so in this same area, this man disappears. And so I just do some, you know, online searching. And sure enough, um, and I don't offer this information to prove anything. Um, but this this man apparently had uh, a assault on a peace officer offense back in let's see May of 2008, so you know a while ago. But um, there was also a criminal endangerment uh, charge here, and Judge Larson was presiding from Missoula County. Um, and so, you know, there 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 is real problems not just with alcohol abuse, but with meth abuse, with drug abuse um you know there were man the story three co- three comedians died um four, oh, four, yeah. four comedians did drugs you know snorted some some what they thought was coke and there was some fentanyl and three of them died um we we do have serious drug problems and i just wonder as so much energy is put to making sure that my kids are, are like masked at school and we're talking about public safety yeah. all the time you know i just i wonder i i wonder what what we're actually doing um to in terms of law enforcement, the kind of situations we are putting them in, you know, I I have seen well-trained officers do amazing things when they are de-escalating a situation according to what the training um, sort of gives them the framework to to accomplish. Right? Um, I don't want to believe some of the things that I hear when it when it comes to you know the rumors that happen on the streets. But um, you know, I um, I almost feel like daily I have to confront the the possibility that uh, there are members of of either PD or the Sheriff's Department that might be doing things, making things a little bit less safe for the rest of this community out on the streets. Um, not just on a Friday and Saturday night when people are getting fucking wasted. Um, I mean, that that's last Saturday, so no two Saturdays ago when the Grizz lost, um, that was a violent, violent night. I saw multiple fights in, in just the brief... Um, walks up to get a piece of pizza you know that's saw that's how guys getting their ass asses kicked you know it was pretty pretty violent the ones that weren't I guess you know in hotel rooms raping chicks um, we're out, you know, getting getting their asses kicked. Well, so.
1: okay, so this has been this is one way in which I've been sort of an outcast from the rest of what I would consider conservatives or Republicans. Okay, a lot of them, especially if they're very politically active, many of them come from like a libertarian wind, so they just believe everything should be legalized. We all should be our own lawyer, figure out our own contracts, whatever. Libertarian party, pretty explanatory. You're never going to elected in Montana uh, except in a very small scale that way. So they join the Republican. But party. Michael Schellenberger
0: that guy you're reading San Francisco Minnie and I listened to a uh, Joe Rogan's um, podcast with him mm-hmm. his perspective um, there are people that are changing r- really um, radically I think with this uh, that sometimes associated with uh, libertarian uh, decriminalization um, there's some really fascinating uh, ideas and part of that what we were talking about over the weekend, um, in Spokane was the idea that I don't know if we talked about this specifically, but um, you know Michael Schellenberger was saying that in Portugal you can't just go shoot up. Heroin in a park. No, like, I was going to you know, say that when you were talking. Was, carrot and
1: stick. We make very differing distinctions between each type of drug and what they do. Okay. And the very highly addictive ones like methamphetamine or heroin, you know, you go to the European countries where he talks about, and those are just not available at all. Okay. They don't let you sit on the street and get a $3 hit of meth until you're dead or heroin or whatever it is. And that's one interesting thing, too, is because in the safer places, you see marijuana being legalized. You see psychedelics start to be legalized. And it's, they're making distinctions between what these drugs are and what their benefits are in terms of 100 years ago when any mind-altering substance was bad. It's, it's It seems like a better place to go than to just, you know, well, Alcohol tests tons of side effects. Al- alcohol is technically a poison. We've been finding out the last 10 years, all these studies that say, oh, if you just have a drink or two of wine a day, it's gonna help you be healthy. No, that's complete and utter bullshit. Have I ever explained this to you? Why uh-uh. those studies are bullshit? Okay. So they take everyone and they say, do you drink? And you say no, I don't drink. Like maybe I'm a Seventh Day Adventist. It's it's against my religion, or I'm Mormon, or something. And then you know, next you'll be a guy be like, yeah, I don't drink anymore. I uh, took pretty hard. Had a couple heart attacks. Uh, I don't drink anymore. So that guy who has a long history of drinking to the point of having to stop drink to stay alive is now put in the same group as people who've never had a drop of alcohol in their life. And now we go through the study and they notice a weird effect. The people at the zero group suddenly have some of the negative effects. And when you go to the one or two drinks, it goes down and then it starts to come back up again as you're looking at the graph. And they... They couldn't figure this out. So they're like, oh, well, there just must be some health benefits to having a glass of wine a day that we don't know about. It's like, no, you need to separate out the hardcore drinkers who are still alive and have to stop drinking because of their own health from the people who've choked, because otherwise you can't study those health effects separately. And this, they're just now, fi- science is infallible, don't question fa- Oh, did you see Fauci? Oh. oh, no, no.
0: But I need to pull out my coloring okay. book when I, won't I feel go down triggered.
1: That road,
0: but. Well, on a similar vein, I was listening to um, a interview that uh, Monica Perez and, and Brad Binkley did, and I can't remember the, the guy's name, but everyone should listen to the Propaganda Report and support them in whatever way you can because they kick ass. Uh, but he was uh, talking about statis- statistics and gun control. And it was a similar thing. All these different things lumped together, yeah. um, and you know, there's no real tracking on gun deterrence. You know, when guns are actually deterring crime, um, it, it was really interesting to kind of uh, hear another person break down how little we actually do know and how skewed this whole concept can be when it comes to to, to firearms. Um, you know, and some of this attempts to to make sure that you know younger people don't see any benefit of of being able to protect yourself. You know, aren't working because when you when you start understanding what we are again putting law enforcement and first responders, we're putting them in into situations where it's it's societal fucking breakdown, right? Um, they are they are being asked to do things, and I oh I never I never told the story about my um, my acting poorly um, because the the audio we listened to of the video um, where that person says "shut the fuck up," you know, you just hear that without context, okay? What, what are you going to think? You know, that officer is very unprofessional, very unprofessional. That that could escalate the situation. That's bad, 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 right? In that conversation, the amount of interactions is referenced. And she and, and the woman's like, nope, that we're just talking about right now, okay? But that context does matter. I had a moment in my job at the Pavarillo Center where this guy on the street, um, I mean, this, you're living in a small community, right? Uh, his name is Jade. He since passed away. And I actually read about his death in the newspaper. Um, sitting in the in the uh, hospital room when my daughter was born, um, and Jade was a notorious notorious you know Native American drunk um, on the streets of Missoula, violent motherfucker. Right? Um, he came at me once. I was actually at the River City Roots Festival. My boys were young enough that they were in a stroller, and he saw me didn't like me because I had to enforce rules at the shelter. And so he came at me, you know, and was like yelling, cussing me out. The kids didn't really know or track anything, but I didn't feel very safe. I was, i my wife wasn't with me. It was just, just me and the boys, right? I had some fierce mama bears though, that like got up and were ready to like protect me. So I, I felt okay, but I called 911, nothing really happened. Um, Uh, a week or two later it's in the early morning i'm at the shelter where i have a little bit of power now because i'm working at the shelter so you know i can say come in and get food or or don't come in and get food and i see jade you know and he's on property and i wasn't able to control my reaction and i told that guy get the fuck off this property get the fuck out of here jade get the fuck out of here Mm -hmm. do you remember coming at me i'm like get the you know I had the power in that situation. Here's a a vulnerable Native American probably um, needing a drink because it's in the morning, you know, I'm unloading on this piece of shit, right? Um, That's not a good thing. That's not a good thing. I'm not proud of that. But um, yeah, I'm a a human put in a situation of dealing with societal fucking breakdown with alcohol and drugs, you know, the same alcohol that our mayor was pounding when he was uh, handshaking the Carlisle group. And being like water company, woohoo! You know, um, but he gets treatment. He gets to disappear for a month, Then he gets inpatient treatment. Uh, meanwhile, we have car chases that we can't even keep. You, you didn't even know the number of car chases in the past week.
1: What if John Engin's alcohol and overeating is not actually his own fault? It's all the lobbyists know they can buy him that way, and he's super easy to buy. Well, we're always looking for. We're,
0: <laughs> we're always looking, yeah. That's evidence. We're always well, looking okay, for people can to I blame.
1: Just put some what you said in context because we're not playing the audio. I think someone else recorded it. And yeah. So it wouldn't make sense. Also, it's just the audio. It it sounds like someone's parked at a park in Missoula and an officer must have got a call or a complaint or something. Or maybe there is patrolling and they come up and they basically just getting these people to move their car. They don't want them sleeping uh, in the parking lot of the park. And he he does get pretty in their face, um, which I was a bit surprised by, because when I see I do try to watch these officer interaction videos. And most of the time, if you even go to like post training or anything, you'll. Uh, you get tested on keeping your cool in all situations. But yeah. the other part of that is it. is I've worked on that side. And so much of what police officers do is just babysitting adults. Yeah, If, if it you is. cut off and made this a dry county at 10 p.m. at night, you could probably fire half the cops in Missoula. I hate to say it, but that's what a lot of what they do is going to drunk people's houses because they're getting drunk and rowdy or fighting. You know, people... People don't want to get drunk uh, in places they shouldn't, so they usually go to a place like a park or something. Between
0: alcohol and nursing homes, okay, and homeless-related issues, alcohol, nursing homes, homelessness, I guarantee you that is over 60% of uh, of fire and and EMT responses. And, you know, uh, I mean, (laughs) so I met some fellow ambulance chasers, Tim. Oh, okay. And, you know, the amount of things that are happening on a day-to-day basis that we don't know about... Um, I drive around and sometimes I see sirens and sometimes I'm curious and I'll park. And so there was a guy by the Pavarella Center and this was uh, oh when was it Saturday night 11:30 midnight. Um, and I just dropped someone off and and I parked and I was watching this and I didn't have my phone otherwise I'd try and record it. And this guy was not listening to commands very well was you know very fucked up. Um, and just wasn't moving the way I was like hoping he was moving, would move, you know, listen to the law enforcement and, um, they ended up taking him into custody, but I really, I was afraid I was going to see a guy get shot. You know, I was far enough away. Um, but it, it was worrisome. And, and as I'm watching this, this truck stops and this young, younger couple, probably like late twenties or something, they get out and they kind of walk by my car. I don't think they knew I was sitting there, but I roll down the window. I'm like, Oh, you guys watching the show? And they look at me and like, Oh, we listened to the scanner. And there's been all these car chases. They told me about some of the car chases, you know, and uh, and they, they, they weren't drunk. So I'm just like, oh, kudos Saturday night. You guys aren't drunk. That's interesting. And you're out here watching law enforcement interact with some other dude. But um, they were curious. And I think they kind of do this as um, they listen to the scanner. And sometimes we'll go to spots and, and see what they can see. But um but, you know, this guy was taken into custody peacefully. Um, I, I have another friend who, this was a while back, he was telling me a story about um, one of the incidences that led him to stop drinking alcohol. And he had the chance later to see the the video footage from the officer. And he's just like, holy shit, man. And, and this was kind of like a veteran-to-veteran thing. So maybe there's a little bit... M- I don't want to speculate that there's more tolerance, but um, he said that that what that officer showed in terms of patience um, and was just... A, phenomenal amazing you yeah. know um a situation in which a, a less trained officer or something very well you know could do the wrong thing and escalate and turn into a, a felony assault on the, you know this guy f- assaulting an officer i mean it's 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 such a difficult thing and ultimately i wish we had better um help for people um but at this point because of this pressure cooker and, and thinking about who has the power um, I think we do have to remain skeptical about um, things that are happening. And, well, and I, we're not always going to know what's happening, you know, the details of I these think, things.
1: Yeah, one of the effects of technology on society, because I think just looking maybe the last 100, 150 years, there's been this like ebb and flow between religion and society. And we're back at definitely the like technological point. Uh, we used to be like, oh, respect your elders. People have a lot of life experience. There's people, you know... I, As I get older, there's so many times I'm like, oh, that was so stupid. Why did I do that? You could just go back to your past self and be like, you know, if I could just intervene there. If I just, you know, I got teenage nieces and nephews. I don't have a fucking single relevant thing to say to them. I don't know why. uh, But, you know, when you're that age, everyone older than you is just old and stupid and awful and grumpy and trying to make ruin your life. And I. (laughs) I don't know why we can't incorporate some of this because you're exactly right. Another person who can relate to it and be like, I know what's happening right now and I'm still here to help you. But if it's just Joe Schmo cop who just showed up and it instantly starts barking commands at you, then you're gonna immediately be defensive. And now that like caricature of a cop, whether you've had previous law enforcement experience or not is, is going to be the person you're dealing with, not the other human being in the situation right now. And that's, I see it a lot with the university, with people with, if you've never been married, if you've never been in a long-term relationship, if you've never had kids, I think you just view other people in a bit harder way. Like if you actually have a little kid that you have to take care of and their whole life is dependent on you, you know, that used to happen to people when they're in their teens and maybe late teens, early twenties. Now we can prolong it for, you know, your entire life cycle. You never have a kid, but I, I do wonder if it isn't making us a bit more uh, heartless as a society when such especially the people in power, especially the people in news media, a lot of them completely forego families, relationships, children, etc., for their careers. And and so that's going to be the lens that they view all through of it and then cover it that way. That's going to be the way they look at schools, at public. Ed. I think that's part of the reason, though, it's so hysterical about fucking public education right now is because they genuinely believe this is the only way that these
0: kids are going to be, have food, be safe. Like, and, and here's my cynical response to that. Um, because I was saying this to my wife earlier today, it's like, I'm getting to the point of like, oh, okay, so you you want my kids to stay safe so they can grow up and my daughter can get old enough to get raped after getting what roofied at the Badlander or something, or, you know, my kids can grow up to get... Um, you know, develop their uh, various addiction issues in our in our very healthy culture that's already getting them, you know, dopamine addicts on, on their screens of various, you know, and, and part, part of that's my responsibility as a parent. I don't want to just sit back and complain and say, oh, you know, because I have agency and I have responsibilities as a parent, you know. Um, but we're at this situation where someone that's not a parent, like Grace Decker, she can be a school board member and a nonprofit employee and an agitator on Facebook politically, you know, and, and remain in a position of influence and power. Um, and, and, you know, what, what am I left to do? Like, Oh, well, you know, like, okay, I'll just keep paying my taxes. I hear they're going to go up again. And uh, okay. You know what, what you're going to do with the tax increment financing? Oh, did you make the trains quieter? Did you make the trains quieter for the rattlesnake neighborhood people? That's so nice. I'm so glad that, I'm so glad that we spent a couple hundred thousand dollars in public money so that the motherfuckers in the rattlesnake who moved next to trains and realized that trains are loud they I mean they're terrorized by the fucking trains to him but well, when you have enough public money when you have enough public money it can it can solve train noise problems but we'll still have some raping happening and some alcohol uh, abuse and some some shooting of, of, of crazy people needs to happen sometimes you know they pick up machetes and they're out in the woods you know sometimes you just got to kill some motherfuckers apparently
1: let me talk about immigration okay because there is something that's in this that I do think needs to be discussed and it's something that we don't talk about when we talk about immigration let's is- actually
0: get into that in detail right now um, okay. and be this kind of the last the last topic because um, you know it's really unfair in a lot of ways to wow. take an, 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 an isolated incident because it is an isolated incident. But according to this, according to the first reporting, um, this young man was was on a worldwide trip. And now we are learning he's associated with the Missoula refugee relocation yeah. uh, program. Some of the questions um, that I'll ask you to maybe opine on, you know, what do we have a right to know about this program? Um, some of the questions that I was bringing up in terms of money, um, paying money for a hotel room. Um, this this young man is 19. Like, was he going into bars? Does he have an ID? You know, is, does he have a fake ID? Um, you know, after 90 days, my understanding is the financial support goes away. You know, we really do need to ask some of these questions, but it's become so political so quickly. All of our state Republicans are going to, you know, quickly now um, d- demand the, the, the pausing and stopping of this program. But um, I guess... For, for that sort of background and context, um, what do you think about all that?
1: Well, the, the, re, the, the thing I want to say is when we bring people here, okay, first of all, it should be in our own interest. We don't have, you know, any necessarily obligation to bring
0: anyone here, not as a country,
1: no other country. Are,
0: are, are, are food trucks run by Congolese not in your interest, Tim?
1: Look, we should be able to decide not just have anyone walk here. And, and the assertion that everyone comes here is going to be equivalent to us is just not true, okay? If, if someone grew up in Afghanistan and made it to 20 years old before coming to America, they grew up in a very patriarchal society where women and children are not valued the same look at some of the stuff that goes on there between the drug trades and the opium and the warlords that is uh, a cultural reality that you were boys talking about and girls being mm-hmm. dressed up as women wives to to have sex with uh, this uh, this isn't even just specific to afghanistan you could look at the mexican immigration there's actually been some really good studies studying you know first and second generation immigrants in texas and along that southern border and what they found was you know, culturally, in, you know, that kind of machismo Mexican culture, uh, they they don't view women and, and especially gays the same way that we do. And so when they come here, and they still have those attitudes that they've grown up with, and they come from a society where those attitudes were accepted, celebrated in practice, you know, they're not just going to change on the flip of a dime once they cross this imaginary line or the Rio Grande and start adopting American values. And I think, It is something that is worthwhile to us to see how our country is being exported to other people especially if those people are going to then come and live here later because to them you know when they see women in in the cobs or hijabs or any kind of face or body covering and you know they have to have a male relative in order to to leave their house where there's all these rules about women being property and women acting a certain way and then you come you know, in that culture, a woman would never be as, like, daring. She'd never, like, have half her tits out or have her ass showing out in her clothes. You know, those are things we just sort of live with because we live in a more Western-free society. But to come here, that's signaling to someone in another culture, another country, that, you know, I do want to have sex. I am available for sex. The The signals aren't going to be the same when you're going from a mountainous region, you know, five or 6,000 miles away to here. And to expect them to all just somehow absorb our culture from, I don't know, old TV shows or something and act well, it, it's not going to be right because that's not how they've conducted their life for two decades before they came here.
0: Oh my God. You're like totally blaming the victim. I can go and dance. It goes and, farther I, I can than that, Travis.
1: To... They've studied the welfare usage rates and they're much higher on first, uh, the people who first come over and then in the next generation, it usually takes two generation of immigrants before they assimilate to what looks like a normal person who's born in America, whether it's the child abuse rates. Have you looked at child abuse rates? against first and, and second immigrants that um, I'm going to find the studies and maybe we can link them to this because people aren't going to believe me when I say this, but if you really care about women and children, you don't flood the country with millions of people from countries that don't care about women and children. It's just factual.
0: You know, in, in my America, okay, in, in, in America I'm willing to fight for, um, it's so that my my little girl can can grow up one day um, to dance to a song like Wet Ass Pussy. Um, in in the on the dance floor uh, of the I Badlander. Hope, can I just? Um, say, I, no, 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 this is what I hope. This is what I hope for the future. Father daughter
1: dance at her wedding. Please be wop.
0: <laughs> you know, um, I'm trying to laugh. I'm, um, you know, in, in my in my ideal world, um, she can dress or dance to to wet ass pussy, and all of the the immigrants in in the places that. Um, that Obama changed the branding of the war to humanitarian interventions. And so when we were like still bombing Syria and Libya and creating uh, hell on earth and all these other foreign lands, and then they come here and we expect them to understand the nuances of like, yeah. So, you know, your, your dick might be saying wet ass pussy songs and scantily clad women dancing, um, are signals of like willingness to fuck. But guess what? We, we, this is a very nuanced liberal culture where, um, that's not necessarily a guarantee. You must walk up, um, young, young man and say, um, I desire to enter my penis into your, your vagina hole now. Um, and, and then we'll see what that happens. Is that how you got your wife? Yeah. Oh,
1: okay. Yeah. Cool.
0: And yeah, we, no, we first met, um, went in sophomores in high school and I was, I was drunk. I was actually hung over and I, I puked spaghetti on the bushes of a rich was person's house. I don't remember, but, it's um, what ass pussy, pussy, pussy was not a song that we, we danced to back then. Um,
1: I love nineties. So. I listen old nineties music. And I was like, "Why is music so awful now?" This is just like talking about people's lives, just like the old nineties alternative grunge. Like
0: because because no it's one weird. is is um is supporting financially my artistic endeavors of creating um, songs to the Sarah Alert system, um <laughs> and my Dr. Seuss inspired anti-vax song. If I could just get some uh, non-fungible token stuff going. I, I really think I could probably sell a bunch of my art, artistic output. But in, uh, until then, um, we're gonna have a podcast every week in which we just you know oh, talk we're about it. We talk things. about
1: zinky. Can we talk about stupid I'm no, sorry, no, not but, stupid.
0: No no, 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 let's talk about Zinky because one of the one of the, um we, let's end with Zinky because yeah. one of the things that I appreciate about our conversations is that um I was once a progressive blogger. Um, you were in the conservative sphere and while we both still can kind of keep a foot in those spheres, um, we kind of were pushed out of those spheres in, in different ways. Um, and so as, as Zinke is going to now bury you in mailers and be the clear sort of money, uh, money front runner in the congressional race on the Republican side. Um, what do you think about this quote unquote, (laughs) Montanan? yeah, I don't know where we're at, man, because, uh, I, mean, you, what, I think he points a gun real nice in, in, in what you what you were showing me. So I
1: mean he took pictures with Jacob Elder, so you'd think Elder would have run a better campaign, or at least asked Zinke for some pointers. Uh, I I think well, at this I, point we're I, more I heard, than a year out, and I I can't believe that they're gonna split up either Kalispell or or Bozeman just to draw a district. That's crazy. It's down to, to me. two maps.
0: So explain to me, because I haven't been following this as closely as you. It split really? Is that is that like the compromise to try and make it not an obvious one side no, benefits just, versus the other? They they
1: need to get up to a certain population level, but they can't do it by wrapping in major Republican centers. So they have to do it by sort of taking uh, some carved up portions uh, of certain counties, especially so... Um, what was the last map I saw? I think Bozeman would be east, but the rest of Gallatin County would be west. And I think it was a similar situation up there. The The thing I'm talking about with Zinke is just he's out a year out. Uh, as, as of right now, he only has one primary opponent, Dr. Al. Uh, I, I looked up Dr. Al last week before the podcast. He didn't even put anything on social media in something like two months. So I don't know. Maybe he's not running anymore or he, he doesn't plan on doing anything. Uh, but, I mean, Zinky's doing what he needs to. His first op-ed was about public land, so everyone knows he likes trees, and now he's sending out a mailer. Not What's crazy about where this got sent is it was sent to my spouse at an old address that we no longer live at, but we keep for, for business mail. And so... He's not using, like, a current uh, list of voters uh, because he wouldn't have sent it to there. So yeah. he must, I don't know if it's some older list of voters. The other interesting thing is it's all his endorsements about uh, the Second Amendment. So the, he has the National Rifle Association on here. He has the National Shooting Sports Foundation. But he also has SCI, which is the... Uh, Safari Club International. And if you're not familiar with them, they give out special awards for whoever has killed at least four big African cats. Or hmm. I, I'm going to have to deep dive into this more because they were really getting into some of this stuff that Zinke was being accused of while he was at the interior. Uh, including uh, getting some rule changes so his buddies at the Safari Club could bring in some yeah, I mounted have no <laughs> lions and uh, zebras and stuff. I
0: have uh, no faith. I have no faith in Zinke um, actually being uh, an effective cowboy for real people in the state. But if he wanted to do that, I do have a suggestion because um, really national politics bores the fuck out of me. But if he wants to go to D.C. and, and do something, um, he needs to to basically say the, the feds need to not play financial um, games with like uh, CMS, for example, um, because some of these some of these vaccination mandates, especially as Biden is salivating over uh, vaccinating twenty eight eight million kids, you know, um, no Joe, not 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 my not my living room, um, but as as he's salivating over that, um, there are so many soft power ways of coercion that are being used, um, and like the Center for Medicaid and Medicare Services um can be one of those very powerful powerful ways of making sure that um you know all hospital workers are are being uh, vaccinated and montana um oh we, we do need to talk about actually ag knutson knutson too so um, oh, yeah, we, we are know, gonna we yeah. are gonna keep chatting for a bit longer yeah we're um, at 55 so oh that's fine we, we have more time to talk um and this is this is important really it's kind of because i have to pee and i'm just gonna have to hold it um now you can go and just rant at the microphone no, That's so, basically
1: I, what I do in my house without one.
0: I have an old man bladder but i I'll I'll, I'll I'll persevere um what, but what I wanted to to mention is the, um so the, those soft power ways of coercing policy are going to be maybe an area that a congressional delegate would would at least could like campaign on an, on an issue like that. Um, when my own wife is saying that every day Jean Forte is looking better and better to her because of the protection she feels he is providing as a firewall against, you know, Biden wanting to come and like jab our kids. That's not going to fucking happen. That's not going to fucking happen. Right. And so um, we need our state representatives and our local representatives to Recognize what we have in Montana with 702, with House Bill 702, Um, you know, these these other sort of like, quote unquote, inclusive, you know, virtue signalers, you know, they are so pissed off that there's legislation that says they can't discriminate against people based on vaccination status. They are so pissed off. And I I love it because we are a unique state at this point. Um, And I, I think that's why some of the covid numbers are being Um, emphasized, and you continue looking into the numbers, and we will be tracking this whole developing situation where Attorney General um, Austin Knudsen is going to be investigated for the use of resources in a Helena hospital because a patient was being denied ivermectin. Is that accurate? Is that is that the story? Yeah.
1: Uh, let me, let's break down it apart from, yes. you know, and this is based on what I've read, so I can't be hundred percent sure, but I do know some people who uh, were involved in this and they sent me some of the tweets that were sent around explaining what was going on. Um, this lady, I think she's in her eighties and she was admitted to, I think it's St. Pete's in Helena
0: or is it St. James St. Peter's? Yeah. St. Peter's up
1: and uh, So she was getting worse. And so the family uh, secured a second opinion from another doctor who wrote a script for Ivermectin. Uh, They then brought that script to the hospital the lady was staying at. Her doctor at that hospital refused. Everyone at the hospital said it's not in our guidance. Um my guess is they probably got a bit heated with them because they had a prescription. You know, if you have a regular person and they have prescription from a doctor, you know, to tell them, no, I'm not going to fill that, uh, most people would probably be pissed off or upset. They view that as like, there's also
0: such a thing as using medication off label. That's, that's a thing.
1: Yeah. I noticed no one seems to care about giving all these off label puberty blockers to kid, but we won't go down that rabbit hole. Uh, so, Anyway, they sort of started calling up the ladder. I think someone got a hold of Chris Hansen, who's probably one of the few Republican lawyers left, uh, working in the AG's office. She used to be a legislator up in Haber. And so she apparently passed along to Knudsen, who asked a highway patrolman, or yeah, a highway trooper to go to the hospital and just check on her. Uh, To my knowledge, he didn't go inside. He met the family outside, explained the situation, and then brought a report back. Oh, I've been talking about dumb Tammy Fisher. Oh, my God. So so I'm going to have to
0: record that and do it another day because uh, the the use of state resources was a state patrol car. It wasn't an airplane going to like an Elton John concert, right? No. The the
1: thing, the Democrats are saying that he overstepped his bounds by having a highway patrolman go and talk to the family and do a report to see if there's anything worth investigating. They're saying it's not his jurisdiction. Overstepped his bounds.
0: Overstepped his bounds. AG... OK,
1: that well, I mean, and OK, so this is something that's sort of like a known secret in politics and that there's some really big advantages that Democrats have in this state. For example, if you uh, have anything that's like a campaign violation, you have to file that with the commissioner's office in Helena. And even though the actual offense, like, say, I put up a yard sign for someone, but I didn't put a pop or. At proper attribution to it someone could file a complaint against me and say tim is violating this campaign law right now if the commissioner found that and did an investigation and found that that was true he would not come to you know missoula county or valley county and refer it for prosecution he only can refer it to the lewis and clark county well lewis and clark helena is a pretty big democratic stronghold um why, why can is, he
0: only refer to
1: the for whatever reason, it's just set up this way. I think there's a lot of things in Montana law that are kind of bullshit, and I wish they'd be challenged. But That's since interesting. I'm not a lawyer, and it's hard to even find a Republican to, to care about these things, um, they just remain this way. Uh, and so it's given Democrats a huge advantage as far as, like, campaign finance complaints and such have gone. It's part of the reason John Model was able to basically rewrite our campaign finance laws while Bullock was in office. Interesting. Um, yeah, so... So when they say you should have jurisdictionally went to the Helena County attorney and asked for prosecution, what the wink, wink, nod, nod here is he would never do anything because he would never take an action against a Democrat. The most I've ever seen them, even in the most egregious things, and I've been involved in several of these, so I know what the process is Now they take is they'll just give them a small fine of a couple of thousand dollars um and then threaten you if you don't you know take the deal so the it's they're making a big deal of you didn't follow proper procedure and you're going over your bounds and uh i mean to my knowledge the attorney general of the state of montana has jurisdiction all everywhere in montana he you know there's concurrent jurisdictions where it may be state federal county etc um but I, I hate how they quote like Leo Dutton was the democratic sheriff of Bozeman for a long time. And so they, he's, they quote him, but don't mention that he was an elected Democrat or he's been participating in democratic politics. It's just another way that this media all based in Helena who all have contacts with the left, uh, try to spin them as fucking up government or taking improper procedures, but not trying to do it in a partisan way, which has been a pretty effective way for them to do things for, for my lifetime. But, um, I'm sorry. Does that summarize it for you? I yeah, feel no, like that's I'm-
0: that's fantastic. It's um, it's clearly Austin Knudsen should be um, tarred and feathered for this terrible, terrible abuse of power. Um, you know, one of his uh, constituents um is in a hospital, and um, you know, screw her. Uh, and that's that clearly he's overstepping his bounds. And I just can't wait for Biden to come with his strike team to jab all my children, because that's that's clearly within the bounds of a president is to executive order himself into um, into my children's bloodstream. Um, but when it comes to Austin Knudsen sending a, a, a state patrol car to check on a patient um, who uh, has a prescription for something and is being denied it in, in a hospital setting. Um, Is that one of the private hospitals or public hospital? Because once upon a time, community medical center was public, but then they sold and now it's private. Um,
1: I mean, that's something interesting to talk about, too, because they basically told them, yes, we will let you give her this medicine, but you have to check yourself out of the hospital to do it. And at that point, I think her oxygen levels were too low to be moved um, because she was that sick. And uh, I, I mean, this is the 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 thing on the conservative side is like this is a safe medicine in any other situation. Why are you so against giving a person who's literally you know on their last days even have a chance of something when we know we've used this medicine for so long and there's, there's like hardly any side effects that have been documented. From it. there's been billions of doses. It's won the Nobel Prize. Why not? Okay. Well, you know, it's because the FDA and and everything else. That's I don't know.
0: Well, I mean, I, I, when you actually go back, you know, when you go back, um, 18, 19 months and you, and you understand that, um, emergency authorized use is solely dependent on there not being any other, uh, type of treatment, um, other treatments have to be, if they exist and there's a potential, you know, for like a prophylactic use or a sort of early intervention use, um, and it's not some experimental, uh, big money-making drive up the stocks of big pharma into the fucking stratosphere, you know, you know, it's. For, for people that still are thinking clearly um, and, and haven't joined the, the COVIDian scientism cult, um, then it's, it's kind of obvious what's going on. And um, it's unfortunate that someone like Joe Rogan has to be like our saint and stand up to the, the ravages of um, disinformation from CNN and Sanjay fucking Gupta to get Sanjay fucking Gupta to admit that like you can get people versions of this horse dewormer and the calling it a horse dewormer is like propaganda bullshit i mean it, it, there are some glimmers out there that their narrative is is collapsing a bit but um in the meantime it would it would really suck to have a family member that might want something and have a prescription for something and then to have medical professionals that are in hospitals medical professionals that what they, they took a hippocratic oath you know um it's it's very disturbing. And well, this
1: okay, can I comment because there was a lady who's involved in this, um, and I think I just tweeted about it. But she moved here four years ago from Michigan. She's a comms person, and her resume is like for TV or something. She was on the Today Show and all these other stuff. When I looked up her bio. And she made the very specific comment, A, that three public officials threatened and harassed the hospital over this, okay? It's a very serious charge. She would not name the three officials. So, I don't know. Was it the trooper acting in his capacity as a law enforcement officer? Was it Attorney General Newsom, you know, calling them and trying to just, you know, this is what I understand is it seems like his actions were pretty reasonable. They weren't heavy-handed at all. He wanted to get information on this situation, talk to all parties involved to get all the information. And then, you know, nothing's been done yet. But even just doing that apparently is enough for them to write these hit pieces on him. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and she, because in the statement, she, she says two very distinct and different things in the same statement. Number one, that they will not give out Uh, things that are not approved by the FDA or the CDC or the NIH as far as their guidance for what you should use to treat COVID, okay? But then she also says that the public officials were questioning their clinical knowledge and diagnosis, okay? Those two can't be the same. If you're a doctor and you're available to prescribe ivermectin, uh then that is your clinical judgment to give that to that person but if the fda comes down and says no hospital anywhere should be prescribing ivermectin that's different and i think that's where the people were were coming up against this and the reason they got so hysterical is when you just come up against this brick wall of no of no we're not going to give my we don't care what the other doctors say we don't care how much other track record this has The FDA has told us no, and therefore, we're just not going to. We'd rather let your loved one sit there and die, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and you will still get the bill for it but we will not give them this paste. And I think the ivermectin dewormer thing is actually a really good example because this is one of those crystal clear examples where the media has tried to play so hard on this horse dewormer narrative. Yep, and yep. any reasonable person who takes even a minute to look into this comes to be like, okay, well, that's stupid. There is calling it that because they want it to be seen that way. And you know, obviously things can be used for good purposes and bad. There's obviously antibiotics for animals and antibiotics for people, and some of them are gonna work for both. So when the media keeps hitting this for weeks, if not months of like, you're taking this stupid horse to they're just showing their own cards, okay? They're just showing which side they're on and, and which things they are never gonna entertain and how politically and rabid partisan they are. So keep doing it, man. Keep calling it horse medicine. I, I've heard so many uh, of my Democrat friends over the past year or two uh, just marvel at how disconnected they are now from the Democratic Party and, and the things that say that. J- just keep doing it, guys. Well, you know, it's- You, so, you hate Trump, hey Zingy, keep this shit up. It's, 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 you deserve it.
0: It's, it's really interesting incredibly interesting um, because uh, another story that's um, uh, kind of connected to this a bit is that um, in Missoula, the city county health department um, is reporting that they are desperately needing money and that meany, meany, Governor Forte, just like meany, meany, Governor Bullock, is not releasing enough of the COVID money, right? And so um, their claim is they are so inundated, and, th- and this is, I, b- I believe, true. Um, they have so many cases. Um, Who knows like what what those positive cases, if they're the result of um, the faulty PCR tests or or whatever it is, they cannot keep up with the contact tracing. It is labor intensive. Um, Some of the reporting has given some numbers in terms of how much time staff is spending on the phone talking to people. Um, And as an example, my middle kid tested positive for COVID on September 1st. Our entire family was in the SARA alert system. Um, to this day, I have never gotten a call from the health department. Um, I called, I initiated a call on October 1st, um, to try and get them to stop sending me the Sarah alerts because I had never been symptomatic ever. And you know, they assured me those would stop. They didn't, they assured me someone would call me eventually. It never fucking happened. So in this reporting, it's funny because they're like, the public is losing trust in us. It's like, no, we lost trust. It's, it's not that we are losing trust. We have lost trust. The stupid fucking quarantines, um, all of this shit that, that like, you know, it's, it's not working anymore. Like they, 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 for some people, it, it, it still is. They think they are saving the world and doing the empathetic thing, um, by demanding that my kids continue to wear masks. Um, and that like my kids get jabbed by, you know, Joe Biden strike teams, um, They really think that's the best thing in the world, but um, it is quickly becoming apparent that there are major problems with with these these products. Um, Other countries have stopped and paused because of serious effects. Um, there are videos that get taken down um, when people are actually trying to talk about the effects that they are suffering. Someone like Jimmy Dore. Is yeah. re- Jimmy Dore is referred to as an anti-vaxxer. The motherfucker got the vaccine and is suffering months-long, you know, long-haul COVID-like symptoms. And they're calling him an anti-vaxxer. And one of my favorite things, one of my favorite things, Tim, is all these fuckers. right? They're so righteous because they got the jab. They don't even know yet, I don't think, that they are going to become unvaxxed. They are going to become unvaxed in Israel. Like unless you get the booster, you can lose your vaccinated status. You're, you're going to be one of us, one of the dirty, dirty, dirty unvaxed. You know, so so welcome to the club. We're not that crazy. Um, we I, sometimes there's poetry and music and sing-alongs and campfires. You know, so if they want to join the 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 unvaxed club and say no to boosters. You know, if they get tired of uh, the third booster and the twentieth booster and the one thousand you know ninetieth booster, um, there there will be a parallel world created um, by people that are tired of this bullshit and and don't recognize the power of the federal government to make health decisions for their children with experimental products from big fucking pharma.
1: Can you believe? So we're going to be here next Tuesday. Maybe we should try to get a guest or two and maybe we could try to ask. Is that election day or something? It is. Yeah. Isn't it
0: November 2nd? Yeah.
1: Or is it the week
0: after? Well, I think it, it might be November 1st. Federal
1: election, I think, has to have at least one Tuesday before it. But I'm not sure if state elections have to abide by that um let's
0: just regardless look. we're gonna be darn darn close to, to well the Election reason i Day. say
1: that is because there are signs now in virginia supporting uh was it terry mcauliffe who's running for governor of virginia he's a democrat yeah. he's a big clinton guy he's, he's been big clinton guy yeah and he said the sign i think says something to the effect of i don't think parents should control what's taught in schools." sorry Ooh, about that that was an explosive uh, parents like, yeah hopefully that didn't hurt your drums guys uh but but who really you're proud, and you think that's gonna win an election that parents shouldn't have any input in their child's education? You think that's gonna win you? Like, who do you think you're talking to? Whoa. Right, that like parents shouldn't have input in their kids' schools. That seems like the most basic thing every parent should have input in. So, yeah. as these and he has signs printed off by his campaign, given to supporters, put on their lawns to try to convince other people to vote for him, saying. We didn't even worry about what's happening in our schools.
0: As these geniuses turn my wife into a Republican, Jean uh, Forte supporting a voter. Um, as as these geniuses are, are doing that, um, you know they they might want to 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 think a little bit about the fact that you no know, go go ahead because I, I was just. The thing about to I would say: Did you
1: see this article from Nick Ellie that went in USA Today?
0: Uh uh-uh. Okay, so
1: Nick Ellie used to be one of the main editors at the Chronicle, really left wing guy, loved to censor all the right wingers and tell us we're idiots and assholes. Uh, And of course, in that world, if you tell enough Republicans are stupid, you get promoted. So now I think he runs uh, the Kaiser Health News and he has a great deal of power there where he was able to put a really big feature article in USA Today and it was Isn't it sad that these health department people aren't being listened to? They're telling people to wear the mask. It it was a whole long form article about all the people who have resigned, especially a lot in Montana, these health department people, the one in Kalispell, the one in Sanders County, the one in Revival. they're like, people just won't listen to us. And it's just become, uh, our lives are just hell because we go to show up our cushy government job every day and we tell people how to act Hmm. and they don't do it. It was just like, you. How far are you? I, I can't even remember the last time I read a COVID article where they just talk to a regular person who about COVID or not getting the shot. No, they always go to the health people. They always go to the whiny people at the think tanks. They Like the regular person's voice is so absent from the news these days. that I'm like, do you even try anymore? Do you even care? Like, Unless what it do you fits think the, the narrative. of your job? I Yes.
0: Well, one of the things I want to mention because in, you know, with with the schools be being a, a huge hotbed of, of parental activism, and then also the the correlating parental demonizing that, that's happening. Um, you know, my wife and I are trying to to field questions from our kids about critical race theory because they hear this you know term, and, and so we listen to Barry Weiss, another unlikely figure um, rising to to kind of battle the the wokeism. Um, the woke cult that's that's emerged, and and so Barry Weiss, um, I can't remember the name of the guest she had on, but we we it was actually two people I think, and it was a very interesting talk about critical race theory because I now finally was that today? No, um, no, we were driving back from Spokane. Oh, okay. Was it
1: McWhorter? He's been around because he has a book out.
0: Yeah, possibly, but there he was, was two just on Bill Maher. I think I think he was uh, this was one of the ones that you may have mentioned um, for us to listen to, and it was really interesting because. Now I can explain um, to I can better educate others uh, by saying that uh, critical race theory um, was a, a niche legal like law school yeah. um, thing. I mean, it's like it's a very interesting and maybe useful tool for analyzing you know institutional racism, but it's intended for a collegiate environment, okay? At that level of theory and and practice and engagement, what what has happened is critical race theory has, um, for a lot of opportunistic reasons, then leaked out and is the, one of the difficult things. And I think why there's so much confusion is um, the theory, or just like critical theory and critical race theory, which is sort of its like you know companion. Um, they are the claims is that it's not being taught in public schools, like elementary schools. It's not being yeah. taught at that level. But what's happened is this critical race theory has created this umbrella in which all these weird things are happening and they can maybe say it's not because of critical race theory. But yeah, sure, we have a Zoom meeting and only white kids can go to this one and the, you know, you know, minority kids go to the other one because we're talking about race and all these weird ways in in which segregation is starting to creep in and like real like racial essentialism is starting to creep in and like lots of people are 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 not only um in opposition to this but in some of these school board meetings you have people from other countries saying hey i fled communism in china this is what it felt like hey i fled the iranian revolution where i was um you know taught t- t- to like chant death to america every day you know um hey I, I i left this like totalitarian environment like and so there there's like these warning signs i think from um, outsiders that are coming in and seeing this you know removing the statues and crushing this and and you know instilling this sort of like guilt in in young kids and like conditioning them in certain ways and it's just like it's crazy
1: well okay i've been thinking about this a lot too because I, i was trying to think what was i taught in school about this and we were taught about martin luther king we were taught about treating everyone you know equally despite their skin color their gender You know these are values which i've tried to take and live now for my entire adult life
0: would that be be considered a meritocracy like based on merit instead of um other socio or other social
1: constructs? i suppose if you want to frame it that way i just i don't treat other people in a shitty way unless i have a really good reason to and that really good reason has never been uh are you a different sex or gender than me are you a different skin color than me uh, it just se- seems like such a superficial way to go about. And, you know, talking about the the context as far as like critical race theory and like law school or, or upper level college classrooms what's that movie where Michael Keaton, is it Multiplicity, where they keep making copies of him? And oh, by like yeah. The third or fourth copy the guy is just stupid. That's what I see critical race theory, because it has to trickle down. First, you have to have, you know, the grad students and the people doing theory, and then they have to teach, you know, the undergrads, and and then those undergrads go on to be in, in classrooms with kids. And so the time you have this theory, uh, you have to break it down even simpler, even simpler, even simpler. And so by the time you're getting to, like, elementary school classrooms, it's, Oh white people are privileged and dark people are oppressed. It's it's the most simplistic stupid like kindergarten thinking and yet we're trying as a supposedly intelligent civilized society to implement that in all parts of it. And it just doesn't make sense. It also just doesn't make sense because I don't know too many people who are at their core really just are looking for an excuse to treat other people shit. <laughs> like and, and now to accuse me of that and to accuse me of being misinformed uneducated secretly racist like all this stuff you're now saying so I can just see it your way you're like rich privileged explanation for why there was almost no dark skinned people at your boarding school or at your college or you know people who sit in little cubicles at the Missoulian on social media all day sending email. like I've been out in the world I've worked alongside other people manual labor no one gives a shit what your skin color is when you're doing a hard job like if you're out on a basketball game on a team no one cares what the skin color of the person they pass the ball to is. like it just reeks of this really sheltered little uh protected rich like uh elitist view of how the world is and how you have to justify it to ourselves because the rest of us out here who don't experience the world like this it makes no sense at all and to try to like force that on us just so you can feel better about yourselves and how you were raised or or protected by your rich mom and dad doesn't make any sense to anyone else and trying to implemented that way is shitty the
0: the effect is is the opposite and that's another um incredibly frustrating point is that the actual honest conversations about race end up not happening because people are so quickly put on the defensive when they are said um, basically this this racial essentialism that you know just because of your skin color you are privileged just because of your skin color you are oppressed these are the labels and you can't um, ever sort of get outside of those labels you know, when when people are, are felt like they are put into these essentialist um, labels, then they're not going to necessarily talk about experiences that might actually give them some insight into privilege. I mean, I've, I've um, talked about this previously. You know, I grew up in uh, suburbia in the Midwest um, after I moved from you know, Seattle in the, in the fifth grade and in high school, you know, this uh, affluent suburban environment was was predominantly white. You know and i had a, a friend who was not white and so i i saw the disparity in, in law enforcement a couple times where they treated him differently than they treated us uh, privileged white kids even though he had a nice toyota forerunner and they realized he did have some money so they didn't fully on like you know they, they, they didn't really do the like the the urban you know thing it was it was more just like it was it was subtle but it was very obvious um and i i picked up the message as a high schooler and then when i got pulled over um, I had alcohol in the car as a high school kid. This was like my senior year. I was transporting alcohol and there was weed and, you know, and I, and I get treated with kids gloves by these, you know, sort of roly poly cops that are there just to kind of, you know, um, give, give me back to my mom, you know, mommy comes and saves me. And it's like, um, I've tried to explain to my kids like, Hey, you know, if, um, if you were a black kid, um, I'd be having a lot of different conversations with you. If I had to take you to the hospital, they might uh, make assumptions about you being, like getting drugs in your system, you know? I mean, there's all these things that, and I, I say that from like a conversation I've had somewhat recently, but um, there is the existence of, of, of these, these sort of institutional, baked into the system ways of uh, privileging certain groups of people over others. And we're not going to have those conversations, especially as like some of these same people want to like discriminate now on vaccination status and don't see any inconsistency at all in their befuddled brains, you know, with with this um, idea of, of actual equality. You know, um, I, I looked at all the car chases. And I'm like, oh, it's inclusive. There's a black guy in the car chase. There's a woman in a car chase. I don't know who drowned in the pond, but, you know. Well, okay. So, you know who Malcolm Gladwell is? He's like a pop mm-hmm. psychologist author. Um,
1: his latest no, book don't. is called conversation with strangers and the the central story in that book is about Sandra bland who was oh yeah yeah a woman who moved from Minnesota down to Texas for a job within days of moving there was uh, pulled over by a law enforcement officer she had a criminal record you know th- there are two people in an agitated state and he ended up like arresting her by force and then she committed suicide in her jail so right um, the reason I bring that up is because How do you think these interactions go when every black person is told by the media continuously on a loop that all cops are racist? You know, if if every we've watched Watchmen on HBO, and so in that show, uh, all the people are like white trash and all the cops are black guys with masks. And so if you're told that someone who you're going to have an interaction with, who you interact on a very limited basis with, if at all, uh, has some secret motivation against you and is going to misharm you is going to find some way to screw with you and there's nothing that you can do in the situation that's bad that you 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 know those situations are always going to spiral out of control and i just don't know how it's almost like a self-fulfilling prophecy where we tell people that cops are bad, so you should you know, have an attitude towards them. Then the cop gets someone who's having an attitude, so they ramp it up. And then we're like, oh, yeah, every interaction with cops. And then we go tell everyone that. Can't see? This cop was racist, and he escalated this thing. It's like... I don't know how we end this when the only information being plugged into people's brains are cops are bad because
0: Well, and what about the flip side of this victim mentality that's now absorbed in the, in the minds of of some of these people on the streets because it is backed up by county attorneys that are not prosecuting them for violent crimes. You know, when I took video footage of Johnny Lee Perry before he was fucking shot and killed by sheriff deputies, um, some of the stuff that he said on camera was um, I can kill at will. I'm the new CIA. Where did he get the impression that he can kill at will? Maybe because he was involved, apparently, allegedly, in a violent um, interaction with Sean Stevenson that led Sean Stevenson to die. And Johnny Lee Perry was not charged with anything. He was just left on the streets to continue doing whatever drugs he was doing, um, living in a car, apparently, you know, and so it's, I mean, so many
1: of these situations are things that, you know, you think in the moment they're resolved, but they're really not because they just get it kind of pushed to the side whether it's the mental health the unhousing issues the drugs you know that's i understand the issue with the cop coming to talk to somebody in a car and being like you need to move he doesn't want to spend eight hours a night just going to every park telling the same people to move their cars every time okay it probably is frustrating i don't think that's why anyone got in law enforcement because they wanted to babysit homeless people i mean i'm sure that lady doesn't like to get told six times a day everywhere she parks her car that you need to move you're undesirable you're bothering things You know, you have a poor person car and you have some blankets in it. So I'm like, it's, it's, you're literally having this class warfare between these rich white people sitting in their houses, scared behind curtains looking at their phones, and this sort of thing they're told on the news by Rachel Maddow and by the Missoulian, and then actual human being people who are at the much uh, lower end of the socioeconomic ladder now have to go interact these things. We need the white people's representative, the cop, we have the poor people's representative, the actual poor person that can't afford a fucking house in Missoula.
0: And and here we are, nine years into a ten-year plan to end homelessness, we have a mayor who's 16 years into his job, wants four more so he can uh, complete an entire fucking 20 year generational uh, imprint on this town, right? Um, And if we are nine years into a 10 year plan, why can't we find at least a a place where people can um, park and and live in their cars like above board? Because when you continually, um, and and again, law enforcement is being called, they're reacting um, to oftentimes these complaints and they are being put in these impossible situations, but um, you know, well, you can see the frustration I think from law enforcement not wanting to do that all night there's There's also this like well, you know if this person has to move their car, do they have enough gas? Is that going to take the little amount of money left when people have nothing left to lose, they become um you know more unstable sometimes you know so so how many of the how many of these like interactions where we just get a little glimpse from a two minute video um how many of these interactions lead then at some point to um to bad outcomes because yeah. we just have this simmering desperation from more and more people. You know, we have encampments and official outdoor encampments and this and that. As I, you know, I've I've worked at the shelter and I can't even keep up with all of the developments in the uh homeless industrial complex in this town. You know, it just seems like we're going in such a crazy direction in terms of on the ground reality at the same time we're still in this political season where a mayor of 16 years wants four more you know he's uh he's the rape scandal 1.0 mayor um and uh the the rape scandal 2.0 candidate jacob elder you know he's still running so we still are in such a, well, a wild place and i did um confirm it looks like november 2nd next week okay we will be here we will be here talking we'll elections stuff
1: special i don't know maybe like we'll, yeah
0: Let's let's rope Strandberg in. Let's let's um, find out where where he's at. We'll call. I'll ask. We'll show we'll, we'll, um, for him. Show up in a car. Um, I can bring <laughs> snacks. You know, I, you know. With Brandon Bryant, I um I got some orange juice and a yerba mate drink for him because I want people to be comfortable. I, I try to be a nice host, and I'm going to be a nice host when uh, we have a little get together um, on on later this week so i expect you to to be there i'm going to show you some lego creations um i'm I'm going to be dressed up you need to be dressed up you only get me uh to drink and go out
1: once a month
0: (laughs) (laughs) we uh we're gonna have a fire um my my kids have instruments that they're uh terrorizing us with my my middle child has a flute now and so he's getting pretty good at it but he plays it all (laughs) the time he like sleeps with the flute and the piccolo next to him it's adorable and uh, my my oldest has a trombone. Um, oh, we're going to bring. I some... both trombone players. Really? Yeah, we both play trombone. Do and... you still have an instrument on hand?
1: I don't, but I could get you one. They're actually pretty cheap these days. I was seeing well, a friend of got... mine recommend. He's like, you know, you can get a good used mu- musical instrument for 100 hundred, two hundred.
0: We we uh, we're renting one for for Milo. But um, I, if you had one, I'd just say you should. We should do like a band because I think I might have a guy with a saxophone come over and play an electric guitar. We might do some musical stuff. Uh, I'm trying to get my kids more interested in that and I'm I'm really excited my middle kids getting more Flute, in, into huh? the musical world. Yeah. Okay. Totally. Well, this has been another excellent conversation, Tim. I'm so glad we're able to do this um, week to week to week and if anyone wants to get in touch with us, we do want to have guests and we are interviewing people. Um, you know, we have interviewed people in the past and there will be more effort post-election to um, continue looking at opportunities. Um, I've got some folks I, I really want to hear from some people that have gone through the system. Um, there's one guy that's been living at the PAW for I think seven years uh, a long long time and so he's been open to the idea of coming and talking about working through the trying to get into housing so I, you know if anyone wants to get in touch with us um, my email is that's willskink at yahoo.com that's w-i-l-l s-k-i-n-k at yahoo.com and there's going to be good things coming. I think November is going to be a pretty big, busy month for Zoomtown. You know, we're going to be watching uh, what, what happens politically. Um, the weather gets cold. Uh, things will get more dire for people without resources. And I am doing some on the ground, uh, kind of pounding the, pounding the streets a bit to see if I can get some more context and insights into what's happening locally. So we'll keep doing this thing, right?
1: As long as we can.
0: Well, thank you for showing up again, Tim. I know I can be difficult and we didn't even get a chance to mention, um, that I have a a torture device that I purchased at the antique ball, um, because I trust the science and this is a, an actual, um, electro shock therapy, uh, modular device. So I I brought it in not as a threat because I, again, I want to be a good host. I just want people to understand that back in the day, trusting the science, meant um, sticking that fucking thing to your brain, like, you know, on your, on your head and, and running shocks through it. And then there's also that this cool book, um, the science of eugenics, you know that's that's another thing. When I when I think of trusting the science, I'm like, oh, you know, what what kind of science? Because there was some some pretty fucked up science back in the day. So, trust the
1: science, man. That's what I tell everyone.
0: Just just trust the science. Okay. <laughs> um, so you've been tuning into Zoom Town. Please tune in next Tuesday. Um, until then, adios.